We're in the series of continuing series on generosity, and um, we've talked about generosity of heart, head, and hands as well over the last couple of months. We're in the midst of this generous doings, or doing generously, generosity with our hands. And this morning I wanted to title my uh, sermon, Dangerous Investments. Dangerous investments, because investment is a kingdom word. When we talk about being generous with our hands, we're talking about not just giving, we're talking about investing in kingdom things. The kingdom is what Jesus teaches about, the kingdom where God reigns and rules our lives. And how do we invest in that? And we're going to talk about the dangerous investment of you, of us. Not investment in you, but the investment of you. This week was a, was a kind of a profound week for me, uh, reflecting on, uh, on life, because it's our anniversary week. It was our anniversary yesterday, and uh, we were 28. We're married 28 years yesterday, and we started, I know, that's applause for my wife, sticking with me, and uh, thank you for that. Uh, were you, that what you were laughing at? Is that what you're applauding right there? So that's what I posted. I, this was my post on Facebook, and I was gonna post something on it like, you know, still hot after all these years, and she's okay too, or something, but I didn't, I didn't. You know, this, this for me was, I thought it was interesting, our, our take on things, because I was like, I posted, you know, this is the first dance at our wedding day. It was, you know, full of woo, and, you know, optimism, and we hadn't experienced anything yet, really, and I'm all excited, because, you know, that night, and uh, we're, um, so this was what I posted. Now, this is what my wife posted. She posted something that's very sweet, too, but if you look a little closer, you see the gray hair. You see a few wrinkle lines, and she's okay, too, but you, uh, you, see, you see some folks who are on day two of a sabbatical taken after 27 years of investing our lives in ministry, after sending our last kid off to college and having, living with the existential reality of, wow, that's been a long uh, journey there. We, um, she posted something about, uh, you know, very nice thing to me, uh, very sweet, about, about being on this adventure together, an adventure of loving the world and loving people and loving these kids and doing ministry together. I was like, love you, and she's, posting, this is what a life of investment in the kingdom looks and feels like. And we've been down some hard road because embedded in that picture and in those wrinkles and in that gray hair and in those tired people are people that have had our hearts broken. We've broken each other's hearts and we've fought and we've cried and we've walked with people and we're tired, but we've lived a life of investment. Now, enough about me. You got to take that off of there. This dangerous, dangerously generous life, I want to talk about this idea of investing you. The dangerous investment of you. I'm going to look at the text this morning. It's kind of a hard text, actually. And then we're going to shotgun some principles of the investment of you. From this text. It is a parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 19. And if you have your Bible, we're probably not going to come back on the screen to the text. So I want you to open it to be able to see it, although it'll be up here while I read it. 
And it is the parable of the 10 minas. It's also, Jesus tells a very similar but different parable at a different time called the parable of the, ten, of the talents. But this is the same concept, but it's some other different teaching. We're trying to stay in Luke so, and uh, his kingdom teaching there. So I wanted to uh, read it from Luke. Luke 19, verses 11 through 27. Here's the word of the Lord. Luke 19, starting in verse 11. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. Jesus is telling this parable because, he thought, because people thought that the kingdom was going to appear right away. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. And a mina was a was a currency. It was an amount of money. It's probably, a mina was probably three months wages. So 10 minas would have been two and a half years salary kind of a deal. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. You're starting to hear the investment. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. And then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I've laid it away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you. Because you are a hard man, you take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked, wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put the money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina, away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. Sir, they said, he already has 10. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what he has, what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. That's the word of the Lord. A hard word from the Lord. Jesus' parable on investment. Friends, the simple message before I just shotgun some approaches, some, some principles of investing you, the simple word of this passage is the dangerous generosity of living for God is about you investing you in the kingdom. You invest you. You bring who you are and you give it to the kingdom. That's what we do. You don't just invest your dollars. You invest all that God has given you and all that God has made you and all that you possess and all of your strengths and all of your passion and all of your heart. You invest you. 
This is why I put Alan Edmondson in that video up early, because I wanted you to join Alan's group if that strikes a chord. But it's also because Alan's sitting around going, man, I'm trying to be God's person, and it is so hard to figure out how to talk about the gospel in a way that makes sense. I got to figure out how to do that, and I got to get some people around me. And so in his heart is this, I want to I wanna tell people about Jesus. So I got to figure out how to go about that. I'm going to invest what's in my heart into the kingdom. My wife and I living together for these 28 years, saying, what has God put on our laps? What resources, what strengths, what gifts, what circumstances, what trials, what tragedy, what money? All of that invested in the kingdom. You with me on that? That's what we're called to do. Let's talk about then what principles of investment are. And we're gonna zoom through them. You may wanna take notes if uh, there's eight of them. And we're gonna go right through them on the way to the table. So I heard somebody make a noise. Like, seriously? You have a problem with that? You got a problem with eight. Kidding. <laughs> Principles of investing yourself. Number one, it's what we do while we wait for Jesus. The text says, Jesus said, he told them this parable because the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. But he was saying, but there's, so the story was about a guy who went away to become king and then he was going to come back at some point. And his servants then we're told to invest. The minas in this story, friends, are what the servants possessed, what he gave them, what they were supposed to then live for until he came back. And, and I tell you that because Jesus told the story to make a point to say the kingdom isn't just this one deal right now for you, that's it. Like some of us became Christians. We said, man, this is good news. I love the love of God. I love the forgiveness of God. I love the fact that I'm gonna be with God forever. That is awesome. That's it. It's a one-time deal. Well, it is a one-time deal. Salvation is. But then what do we do until the king comes back again? We invest ourselves. It's what we do in the in-between time from the, ascent, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus to the time when he will return again and bring the kingdom in its fullness. What do we do now? We invest ourselves. That's what we do. There's this interim time. The king is going to go away and have himself be made king. And then when he comes back as king, we will have been investing ourselves for him. That's what we do. It's what we do while we wait for Jesus. Otherwise, what would you be doing right now? Well, you got saved. You got forgiven. You got a future in heaven. Awesome. Now what? This guy said, I know now what. Here's 10 minus. Go and put it to work. Go invest yourself in kingdom things. That's what we do. Two, there's a difference between investing and spending. There's a difference between investing and spending. He said in verse 12, he said, or verse 13, he said, now put this money to work. Here's 10 minus. Go put this money to work. Go get it working. Go make business out of it. He's using a word that basically says, go, let's get some business done. Barter it. Be in business. Invest it so that there is a return. Get it working. Get this money going. And those of you that are money people or those of you that understand anything about investment and understand that's what you do. You invest so that it grows and that the money works. 
You don't just spend it. There's a difference between investment and spending. And he doesn't say, listen, I'm going to go away. I'm going to come back someday as king. But between now and then, here's 10 minas. Just spend your time until I get back. He doesn't say that. He says, go invest it. Go make it work for you. Take who you are and put it to work. Many of us, friends, are super content to spend. We even have the phrase, spend time. And many of us, for God, have just been spending time, not investing ourselves in the time that we have. Principles of investment, there's a difference between investing and in spending. Do some business, make some growth. Don't just spend our lives, but invest it so that there's some return. This is the root of all existential angst. This is the root of every man's midlife crisis. This is the root of every woman's question of worth and value. It is, what am I doing with my life? What do do I do? Because I feel like sometimes I'm spending time. It's just going out. But the principle of investment says, no, put it to work so that it continues to grow, so that stuff comes out of it. Is it not the legacy that we want to have, that we don't just spend time? We don't just want to say, well, one time I spent a year in Spain. Well, okay, so it cost you a year in Spain. The question is, did you go to Spain and invest yourself so that stuff of the kingdom of God took root in Spain and grew in Spain until it, right? It's this deal. And that's, I don't know where I got Spain. Is anybody going to Spain? Is that, was that a word for somebody? So often there's somebody in the crowd going, oh my gosh, that's me. Um, but your school or your relationships or your, you're a single person, you're dating somebody, are you just spending time together? Are you investing who you are into that relationship so that kingdom values are built and grow and produce fruit and keep going like this? so that there's return. Because then at the end, if you were just spending time and then you break up, then you just wasted time. But if you are investing and you're spending time and then you break up, there's fruit from that experience and you live with a clear conscience and joy that you've served the king. You with me on this? Your work environment, your relationships, your dollars, your strengths, your spiritual gifts, all of it, there's a difference between investing and spending. Three. Principles of investing in yourself, three. All that we have has been given to us to steward. All that we have has been given to us to steward. In verse 13, he says, listen, you come here, servants. And the word there is slave. I mean, he was, they, were, they were owned by the noblemen. They worked in his household. They owned nothing of their own. But he said, come here. I'm going to give you two and a half years worth of wages for you to go work for you to go invest somewhere. Point is, they had nothing except that which they received from the king. That is your life. And we forget, we want to talk about the principles of investing yourself. We actually forget and we begin to think that our life is our life. And the stuff that I have, I acquired and I somehow deserve or I earned. Friends, everything we have is from him. 
And culturally, we have a bigger problem with this than almost any other principle in the kingdom of God conversation. We somehow think that our stuff is ours, that my kid is my thing, that my boyfriend is my, you know, prize that I somehow achieved or won or everything we have, the very breath that you were given today when you woke up was given to you by God. Every penny in your bank account, it's God's penny. And it's given to us as a steward so that you can steward it. Isn't that just great wording? Now, I know this is pithy and we've heard this before. You know, um, like, uh, like we often say, you know what? Your kids aren't your own. There you go, wait. My kids aren't my own. How are the kids not my own? I'm paying for the guy. Uh, everything... <laughs> I, was, I, I know what caused that child to be here. I was there when they were born. I've wiped its bottom. I am paying for its college. How is that kid not my own? Because you are a servant of the king who saw fit to give you a mina called your child. And then you now get to steward that child. He has given you that kid on loan from God. That is God's kid. That's where I said, I know that's pithy. That's God's kid, and he loaned it to you to steward it, to invest in it. Don't go kid, go friends. Your best friend was given to you. It's God's gift to you to invest in. Your job was given to you by God. Your bank account, everything you have was given by the king for you to steward it faithfully. How would our lives change if we opened our hands and we'd let go of control of all the stuff that we think is ours? You know the super spiritual people. You wish you were them when we grew up. When you grow up, they're the people who their car breaks down and they're like, well, the Lord's car's broken. (laughs) And they mean it. There's such freedom in that. I guess the Lord's going to have to provide a way for that to get fixed. (laughs) Everything we have has been given to us as stewards to then invest it. That's what this parable teaches us about the principles of investing yourself. Four, not everyone will want him to be king. So a decision of the will is required. You look at this text, there's this weird little phrase, there's this weird little sentence that he sticks in the middle of that parable where he's talking about the nobleman who's going to go off and he's going to come back and be king. This picture of, God, of Jesus. But then it says, but people hated him. Some of his subjects hated him and didn't want him to be their king, so they sent a delegation after, the, after him to tell uh, the emperor where he was going, we don't, we don't want him to be king. Now, let me just give you an aside before I come back to the point. This actually, Jesus was telling this story because they knew exactly what this was happening historically. Just 30 years before Jesus taught this, there was a son of Herod the Great named Archelaus. And Archelaus said, hey, I'm going to go to the Emperor Augustus in Rome, and I'm going to tell him, look it, I know you're the Holy Roman, you're not holy, it wasn't holy then. You're the Roman emperor over this whole area. And uh, I will be your client king over this area of Israel. And so he went off to do that. And his people thought, oh my gosh, the Romans are awful. He's worse. I don't want him to be our king. So they sent a delegation after him. And in fact, as you saw the end of this story that ended kind of harshly, it actually just rang back to that story because 
because uh, uh, Archelaus became king, and then he came back and he took all his enemies and he slaughtered 3,000 of them in front of everybody else. He said, you, you don't like my king thing? Let me just tell you about authority. It wasn't what Jesus was saying. That's not really about who he is, but he was saying, this is the deal of kingship, and he's telling this story, and it, they understood what's happening here. But this idea of um, uh, not everyone want him to be king, it's interesting that he added that story in there because he knew that all of this conversation, here's Minas, invest it in kingdom value. All that you are is going to be for growth and investment. All of that conversation is meaningless if you're not going to serve the king. If you don't want him to be your king, it doesn't matter what you do with your resources. It doesn't matter what you do with what you've been given. And Jesus is realistic enough to know that, and this is his teaching in this text. He's like, he's basically saying, here's a story. You've been given everything by God to shepherd as stewards, and you got to invest it in, in the kingdom. But do you want to serve the king or not? Because a decision of the will is required for us to actually think to myself, okay, I know what's in my heart. I know what my strengths are. I know what my personality is. I know what my resources are. I know what my sphere of relationships are. I know what my job is. I know what, what my bank account is like. Will I submit it to the king or not? Have I made that decision? Well, my spiritual gifts are submitted to the king, but not my bank account. I earned that. That's mine. Or my marriage I've submitted to the king, but not my kids. I'm, I worry I got to take care of them. I don't know what God's going to do if I trust him. You guys, we have to take a brutal, ruthless, honest look at our lives. All, the, all that we've been given has been given to us to steward. It's all from God. Have we released it and made a choice that I will submit it to the king? I will give it and invest it for the kingdom. That's what I do. And it just occurs to me that there's some of us that have gone through a, a bunch of our spiritual journey going, I just sort of live my life and there's this glass ceiling and then there's God up there somewhere. And I just sort of live my life with my stuff and my decisions. I'm telling you, that's not what Christianity was intended to be. That's not what Jesus came to teach. Jesus came to teach and said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And now you have been given all of this the you that you are, submit it to the king. All of it. Decisions, strengths, resources, all of you to the kingdom. I, I say it, I try to make it as clear as possible to say, have you made that decision of the will that you serve the king? Five. There will be accountability for how we invest. These are principles of investing yourself. There'll be accountability for how we invest. Verse 15, he was made king, whether people wanted it or not. He was made king, and he returned home, and then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money, listen, in order to find out what they had gained with it. 
There's gonna be accountability to how we invest. What did we gain? Where was the growth? Where was the kingdom fruit? Where was it submitted to the king? Where was it used faithfully? This is where we get the bad jokes and the stereotypes about St. Peter standing at the gate somewhere where then somebody dies and they show up at the pearly gates and they say, and he says, tell me what you should do to be able to get in here. Well, you know what? That's bad theology and, and usually bad humor because it, Peter's not standing there waiting to say, well, how come I should let you in? Because there's only one answer to how you get into heaven, and that's the easy one, that Jesus died for my sins, and I humbly received his gift of grace, period. End of story. That's how salvation happens. It's the free gift of salvation. I love how you still clap for Jesus. That's awesome. But Peter is probably, it's not Peter, Jesus will be standing at the gates and will be saying, what did you do with what I gave you? I gave you a certain personality. I gave you passion. I gave you a heart for stuff. I gave you insight. I gave you relationships. I gave you resources. I gave you time. I gave you a job. I gave you a culture to live in. I gave you a context to, to live in. What did you do with it? You guys, it's 30 years I've been walking with God and I still am moved by this thing that it matters how we live. We have not been given this time to spend. We've not been given this time till Jesus comes back to sort of lay in a fetal position and go, it's an awful, big, bad, awful world out there and I can't wait to go to heaven. We've been given these gifts, these minas to steward for him. And in the end, there will be accountability. He will say, how did you grow what I gave you? How did you invest it in the kingdom? How did you give it and serve it and live it in such a way that people knew the glory of God? and that people came to salvation. This is what life is about. We have to wake up and remind ourselves of that because I just keep thinking that life is about getting a little exercise and cutting my carbs and making my paycheck last to the end of the month, And right? But there's kingdom investments in all that. It matters how we live. What will be gained? What will be the return? This is why this week was powerful for me because to be doing our, our um, couple of days on our anniversary and we just talk about the past and we talk about where we've been and we talk about the people that have been in our lives and then, and then gracious people like you put nice little notes on our social media that reminds us of what things are about, what we've been about. But friends, I want in the end, I want the legacy to be that I had impact that multiplied itself with kingdom exponential kinds of growth that the world would know that there's love and grace and salvation and healing in Jesus. That people would be closer to Jesus on their journey, that they'd be engaged toward a life in Christ because how I invested all of me in the time that I had here. There's going to be accountability for how we invest. I almost said, I just almost said to you, are you ready to meet your maker? <laughs> because he'll say, what did you do? How did it grow? Six, faithful investing is rewarded with more wealth to invest. 
And Art made a gr had a great talk on greed last week, and he talked about the different kinds of wealth. And this isn't get, we got to just get right away from just the financial picture. But this text teaches us, I mean, this is what happened. The first guy comes, says, I earned 10. He goes, great. Then here's more to do. Here's more responsibility. Here's more of an opportunity to be a steward. He gives him 10 cities. The second guy goes, you're 10 minus, here's five. It grew, to, it grew five more. He goes, then you take charge of five cities. The text teaches that when we, and he calls them, you have been faithful. You have been trust worthy with what you have been given, and so you're given more. This is not the prosperity doctrine of the bad-haired TV preachers, but this is where they get this, is they recognize that there's a kingdom principle of investing ourselves that when you faithfully invest in some, you get more, friends. There's more wealth. You have gifts, and you decide to serve them and give them to the Lord. He's going to give you more gifts. You give money, he takes care of your needs. You give of all of your heart and your love and your grace for people, he's going to give you more heart and love and grace for people. You invest in your job with your whole heart, he's going to bless you in that job and give you a better job. I'm sorry, you may not think it's a better job, but he's going to give you more. Maybe more challenging, but it'll be more for the kingdom. In fact, this guy faithful, trustworthy, the king says. You've been trustworthy in little things. I'm going to give you 10 cities. That probably didn't, he probably thought, oh, I just wanted a cut of the 10 minus. Just give me a co commission. What do I want a city for? That just sounds like a lot of work. More wealth, more opportunity to serve and to give and to have impact. Come on now. Here's a few months' wages. You treat it well, you're going to run 10 cities of people's lives and destiny. You see the difference in weight? The kingdom value is faithful investing is rewarded with more to invest. In fact, the weird thing to our culture at the end of this text is to the guy who didn't invest at all, he goes, take his mina and give it to the guy who already has 10. And it was sort of scandalous. The people around were like, he already has a lot. And Jesus said, here's how it works in the kingdom. When you are faithful with little, you will be given much. And to those who have and to use it well, more will be given. And the corollary is, and to those who are not faithful and do not invest, even what they have will be spent and wasted away and taken from them. There is a cycle of prosperity, kingdomly, that happens when we're faithful. And we get more opportunity. I want God to keep growing and growing and growing my impact and my legacy and my investments that he would be glorified more and more and more. Last, and I gotta quit. No, it's not last, but I really gotta quit. Seven, fear of risk has to be overcome. The guy that didn't invest was fearful. He wrapped it up, put it in his pocket. He was fearful of the king because he knew that he had high standards. 
some of us have risked, uh, have resisted giving our lives away because we're fearful of failing God, of disappointing God. That, my friends, is an inappropriate view of our good God and our blessed, gracious Savior, Jesus. In the text, he said, I was afraid of you. And he was afraid of risk, maybe because he just was fearful that what if he tried something and it failed? Then everybody would know he's a failure. That God would be disappointed, but he would be disappointed. We, we fear God inappropriately, not the appropriate kind of awe, and we fear failure so we sit on our hands and we don't take that which God has put inside us and go live it, go give it, go invest it, go see what God wants to do with it. The point of the text was the reason that the nobleman or the king came back and said, what are you doing? And he, because the whole point was, I told you to put it to work. You don't get to live in fear. Put it to work. Overcome the fear of failure. Overcome the fear of disappointing God. Your sins are already forgiven as far as the east is from the west. They've been cast away from him. Go be you to the world. Well, what if, what if people don't accept that? What if I don't? Here's 10 minas. Put it to work. And that takes the choice to overcome the fear. Eight, last you already have all the capital you need to be a significant kingdom investor. You already have all the capital you need to be a significant kingdom investor because the capital that you need is who you are. Who you are, what you bring, what is in your heart? God has put it there for you to invest. What is your passion? God has put it there for you to now go invest it in the kingdom. What are your gifts? God has given them to you. What is your financial situation? God has put it on you there. What are your particular limitations? God has allowed that to be in your life so that you can even bring that and invest it in the kingdom. Everything you need to be a significant kingdom investor is already in you. It is you. That's why. It's you. It's not who you're supposed to be. It's not who one day you might be. It's not, well, I should give some time. What? It, the question isn't, what do you think I should do? The question is, who are you? And come and bring it. My friend Dan Nichols is over here with me. We prayed together last week. Dan, he would tell you this story in greater detail, and you got to hear it. Dan Nichols, he just inside stirring. In fact, Dan would confess to you that he spent some time away from the Lord, made decisions that he's not proud of, that he has walked back into God's grace after years, some years away from God, living in relationship with God. But he started taking some seminary classes because he's got a strong mind and he loves teaching and he's a theologian at heart. And he started meeting people, pastors from all over the world in this uh, online community. And he started developing a heart for these pastors, uneducated, bi or tri-vocational pastors 
farmers in Africa. And all of a sudden, Dan's got this little posse of online people taking seminary classes and talking together about theology in Africa. And it's Dan. It's Dan Nichols. He's an architect in Sonoma. And he's got friends that are pastors in Africa. And they're all talking and they're hanging out online or whatever. And all of a sudden, things start progressing and people start saying, Dan's like, well, yeah, I'll be your friend and I'll just be online with you and I'll encourage you and I'll pray for you and I'll share with you or whatever. And I got a heart for you. He just brought who it was. It was all he needed to be an investor in the kingdom significantly. It's just Dan. It's Dan who hasn't even had a stellar past, Dan. It's Dan who doesn't have a formal theological education, Dan. It's Dan who's an architect, for goodness sakes, Dan. And all of a sudden, he's having this impact on all these pastors online. Then somebody invites him to Africa. He's going this week, my friends. And he is not just going He's going to go to Nigeria where now there are 110 pastors showing up to meet him in a conference that he's leading. And I'm like, what are you going to teach? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> this is last week. So we got on our knees and we begged God to show up for us. This week he sat down. I said, are you ready? And he's like, <laughs> it's me. What do you mean am I ready? What do I have to bring? He brings the Dan that God put inside him that has encountered God's grace, that has encountered God's meeting him in the midst of his failure, that has encountered that he has given Dan passion. He's given, given Dan insight. He's given Dan a set of gifts. And now he's got 110 pastors in Nigeria. Then he's going to go to Kenya and 50-something pastors are showing up in Kenya for a second conference. Come on. Who does that? Dan. <laughs> Every one of us who has been given the life that God has given us right now, the heart, the passion, the personality, the strengths, the gifts, the resources, the time, that's you. And you invest it and you watch it grow. Everything you need to have a significant kingdom investment is already in you. And now we live it. Howard Thurman, a famous theologian, has famously said, do not ask what does the world need? And I would say, don't ask what should I be or what should I do? But he goes on to say, find out what makes you most alive and then go and do that because what the world most needs is people who have come alive. And we, friends, are alive in Christ. And now we go live that and watch it grow for the kingdom.